John chapter 12, verse 24. Words of Jesus. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a kernel, a corn of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Jesus described what I want to preach about today, simply a breakthrough. You may be seated. In military, a breakthrough is an offensive thrust that penetrates through the defensive line in warfare. This is an act or an instance of breaking through some type of an obstacle like the sound barrier was broken through. It is a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery or a development. A breakthrough moment is one that changes Everything. It separates before from after. It tears down the wall between the question and the answer. And it moves us from fear to hope. Breakthrough moments do that for us. In our culture and history, a number of breakthroughs took place in the 20th century in the non-spiritual realm. Something like the invention of plastics in 1907. Think about how revolutionary that invention was to modern life around the world. It was truly stupendous. The development of the modern assembly line changed forever the industrial world. It was a revolution. Henry Ford made it famous with the mass production of the Model T Ford. Whether it was good or bad, and it's been both and mostly bad, in the 1920s, inventor Philo Fansworth figured out a way to get television airwaves to homes. And from the 1950s on, the world was revolutionized. Encyclopedia Britannica called it the cultural juggernaut that rivaled the influence of churches, government, and schools. And we would have to say by the amount of hours people spend every day in front of a television set, that it has changed our world, mostly for bad, but it was a breakthrough invention. In 1928, Alexander Fleming came back to his lab. He was a bacteriologist, and he noticed that there was some bacteria that was not growing in the presence of a mold. With the help of other medical researchers, penicillin was developed and medical science was changed forever. In the world of the military, in 1945, the invention and development of the atomic bomb ended World War II and changed modern warfare forever. Hiroshima Nagasaki felt the impact of the splitting of the atom over their atmosphere. Those were breakthrough moments. But the most needed breakthroughs in our world are not in industry or science or medicine. The most needed breakthroughs are in relationships, in spiritual strongholds, in what every human being faces. You need a breakthrough because you're stuck in an old way of thinking. You have prejudices that have jaundiced your view of other people. You have some stinking thinking that has affected the way you see God and yourself and other people. You're not thinking like a Christian 
you're thinking more like a pagan and you need a breakthrough to get you back to the Bible worldview instead of the one you've been inculcated to believe by your humanistic education and the influences of our culture. You need a breakthrough because you're facing some obstacles that you cannot overcome. You'd like to think that you are big about, big enough, bad enough, smart enough, ingenious enough to get through it, but you have not. There are family situations that you can't fix by discussion or mandate. Maybe a spouse that has grown distant or a child that has become rebellious. There's a situation at work that you can't negotiate your way through. And I want you to understand today that the spiritual realm trumps every other realm in the world. It affects and changes everything. Remember that in relationships, it was a breakthrough wrestling match that Jacob had with God himself in angelic form, however that was, that changed his broken relationship with his brother Esau who had blood in his eyes. What happened between heaven and earth changed something between two brothers that were at enmity with one another. And I want you to understand today that no matter if your problem is financial, if the obstacle is relationship, if it is a sickness, if it is a bondage in your life, that the answer is always in the spiritual realm because spiritual breakthrough trumps every other challenge of life. You need a breakthrough because there's habits in your life that you can't break. You said you could and you still think you can, but you haven't and you know that you can't. You do good for a while then you fall off the wagon and fall back into old habits of pornography, chemical abuse, addictions that hold you captive. You've kidded yourself, but you can't extricate yourself from the bondage that holds you captive. You need a spiritual breakthrough, a jailbreak to get you out of the prison that you're in. Amen. Everybody in this room needs continual Breakthrough, because you cannot live for God in human energy or willpower alone. Just think about it. There are millions of sincere people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's what they were told to do. They prayed the sinner's prayer, and they were sincere in that. But they're wondering why this Christianity thing isn't working for them. It's because they have a form of godliness but have denied or are are unaware of the power that lies in a spiritual breakthrough when a person is Holy Ghost filled and everything changes when the breakthrough of the Spirit comes into your life. Before the Holy Ghost, our prayer would be like Paul in Romans 7. Oh, wretched man. That I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death. I cannot do what I want to do and what I know I should do. I find that there is a law working in my members, bringing me into captivity, into the law of sin and of death. But I want to say to every believer here today that some of you need a breakthrough because you're just cold in your spirit. You try to look connected when you come to church, but you're non-existent 
or anemic prayer life have shown up in that faraway look in your eye and in your lack of ability to sustain worship more than 15 or 20 seconds. There's no fire in your spiritual belly and it's not showing up in the passion of worship. You need a breakthrough in your life today. You say, I've obeyed Acts 2.38. Maybe that's true, but you're like Laodicea. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm and you're mediocre in your walk with God. But God wants to bring you back into a red hot Holy Ghost relationship with him today. Amen. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. You're not praying. You're not worshiping. No interaction with the word of God. You can put on the dog and get your worship on when the choir's singing. But when it's out on the front lines in the trenches of daily life. You find yourself slipping back in old ways of thinking and living. Strongholds of carnal thinking. Prying open thoughts of sin. Stuff that God delivered you from now is looking attractive to you again. And you're like those children of Israel who want to go back to Egypt. The place that God had delivered them from. But today in this service God has come to give you a spiritual breakthrough. There's something very important, and I don't say it because it's cliche or it sounds like a good play on words, but some of you need a breakthrough before you have a breakdown. I'm talking about a physical breakdown, an emotional breakdown, a spiritual breakdown, amen, because on the outside, you can pretend to be cool, calm, and collected, but you cannot hide from God the bundle of nerves that lies just beneath the surface, the fear that keeps you awake at night, the anxiety that affects you while you're trying to drive down the road, the worry that's driving you out of your mind. I want to tell you today that God is here with the power of His Spirit to give you a spiritual breakthrough in your life, to give you a breakthrough to save you from a breakdown. So now you know you need it, but how in the world do you get it? Jesus gave us the model in John chapter 12. There is a single seed. It is of wheat, and it abides alone. It's on a shelf, in a packet, in the barn. It is not put to work. It is all alone. But the farmer comes and takes the seed, the grain of wheat. This grain of wheat that has the potential of producing A big harvest. He takes it and invests it in the ground. He digs a little hole. No more than an inch and a half deep. And he plants it there. He buries it with dirt. And calmly walks away. If you don't know anything about farming. And you're watching this from a distance. It appears that the farmer. Has just had a funeral for the seed. He has buried it in the ground. It looks to you like death. And loneliness and darkness. It looks like the end. This is what it feels like for a person on this side of a breakthrough who can only see what they have to give up, throw away, repent of, or leave alone in order to have a breakthrough. But Jesus said that this kernel of wheat planted in the ground, now it brings forth an abundant 
harvest. But before the harvest is a death. It is a death to the self-preservation of the seed. And can I tell you that your breakthrough lies just on the other side of a prayer meeting of turning to God with all of your heart. A prayer of repentance and consecration and letting go of your self-absorption, your self-will, your self-consciousness. You're wrapped up in a little tiny world called me. And Jesus wants to release you for something bigger and better in his kingdom and for his purpose. It falls into the ground and dies. Now a shoot is born and then a plant and then a kernel, a head of wheat, one tiny seed producing at least 50 kernels of seeds per head and many heads perhaps on a stalk. From one seed planted in the ground, it brings forth much fruit and an acre of wheat with the ability to produce 1,500 loaves of bread from little seeds planted in the ground. Who knows what God could do through you just on the other side of falling in the ground and dying and saying, I refuse to be a prisoner to my sin. I refuse to be a prisoner of my shyness. I refuse to be a prisoner of my schedule. I am not going to be stuck in a rut anymore. I'm going to have a breakthrough. So I'm going to fall in the ground and die. What Jesus described in John 12 was all about him. He said, if I be lifted up, speaking of the cross, I will draw all men to me. Jesus was, in effect, that kernel of wheat that fell in the ground and died. Brother Jury preached about it, how he went into hell itself and took the keys of death and hell and came forth victorious. But there is no resurrection without a death and without a burial. Jesus went through that process and he instructed us that for us there is abundance. There is blessing. There is supernatural power just on the other side of a trip to an altar of repentance, of consecration, of death to self and being buried from your past. There is a power that is coming in your life. For Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. The apostle Peter applied so eloquently those three steps of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ to the plan of salvation. That's why we apostolic Pentecostal people see it so very clearly and so simply in the word of God. It is the birthday of the church. 120 have received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. The crowd does gather. They ask, what meaneth this? Peter explains it, and then they realize that they are culpable for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They are guilty of his blood, and they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter tells them what to do to be saved. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. My friends, what is so hard about understanding the simple plan of salvation? Turn from your sins in repentance. Confess 
and forsake your sins. Be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Romans, Paul said that we are buried with him by baptism. That's why we call the name of Jesus over you when you're baptized. For we are buried with him. It doesn't say we're buried with them. We are buried with Jesus when we are baptized in water in his precious name. (laughs) Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Peter was saying, die, be buried. Die to your sins in repentance. Confess and forsake your sins. Be baptized in water. Let that line of demarcation stand between you and your past. In the past, your sins separated you from God. But now your repentance and your water baptism in Jesus' name has separated you from your old past. And you're going to rise to walk in the newness of life. This is the hard part because the seed doesn't want to die. And human nature, the Bible said that all we like sheep have gone astray. He's turned everyone to his own way. If you want to know the essence of sin, it is not shooting up heroin, it's not robbing banks, not committing immoral acts. The essence of sin is demanding my own way. I will run my own life. No one will tell me what to do. I will be autonomous and no one will control me from the outside. That is the essence of sin. We've turned everyone to our own way. But when you fall in the ground and die, when you fall on your knees and repent, when you say, God, have mercy on me, this is getting nowhere fast. I'm at the end of myself and I'm opening myself to intervention from the Holy Ghost. You can't, you cannot deliver yourself from the power of sin, but you can repent. You can confess your sins. And I have observed over and over and over that when you do your part in asking God to forgive you, when you obey water baptism in Jesus' name, now you set yourself up by the supernatural power of God to come flooding into your life to save you forever and give you the power. That's where the abundant harvest comes from. It is in the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's why at Atlanta West we believe that baptism is essential to salvation. It is not merely an outward sign of an inward grace. It has nothing to do with joining this church. It has everything to do with joining Jesus Christ. So that's why there's a warm baptistry. It's clean. We have towels, garments, changing rooms. That's why we baptize people when they are ready. Not every quarter on a certain day. Like the Philippian jailer that was baptized at midnight. We believe when you're ready, we ought to be ready. Amen. As a church, we're ready. The Holy Ghost is breakthrough power. Jesus said, But you shall receive power. The Greek word is dunamis, like dynamite. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Specifically in Acts 1 and 8, and you shall be witnesses unto me. That's what the power can do for you. But we know that it does a whole lot more. It's the change on the inside that affects everything on the outside. 
It is the power of God that overcomes the gravitational pull of sin that keeps trying to yank you back to your old life. It is a freedom that comes through the spirit of Jesus Christ. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. Amen. I've got some cool, common, collected Pentecostals in the congregation today. And they're saying, go get them, pastor. Preach that salvation message to those sinners that need it. And I just did. But there's a whole lot of people who've obeyed Acts 2.38 that are living far below the power and the privileges of a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. You need to change your mind again in repentance. Whether it's of sin or just your old way of thinking. You don't need to be rebaptized, but you need to identify with Jesus Christ all over again instead of all the other things that begin to label you and pull you back into your old lifestyle. There's a lot of Pentecostals I know that need another dip, not just in the water, but in the spirit. You're filled with the spirit, but you're not walking in the spirit. You were filled with the Spirit, but the Spirit doesn't have you. Amen. I'm preaching today that Pentecostals need breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. Amen. That's why I believe the Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. Great is our faithfulness. Every day, Paul said, my outward man perishes, but my inward is renewed day by day. There's a lot of Pentecostal people that need a Holy Ghost breakthrough in this service today. And you're only fooling yourself if you say you don't. That starts with the guy preaching the message today. Jesus said that when you receive the Holy Ghost, this is John 7, 37. He said, it is going to be like rivers of water. He said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Anybody ever seen a raging river? Anybody looked across the aisle or in the mirror and saw a child of God and the Holy Ghost flowing out of them look like a little trickle? Rather than a river of living water. Amen. When there is a powerful flow of water, debris, sediment, junk is pushed out of the way, blasted out of the way. When you don't pray in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, when you reduce your life in Christ to a little patty cake prayer, a little Jesus I love you now and then, a little half-hearted worship, something turns off of the powerful flow of the Spirit. And sediment, carnality develops in your life. That's why I'm adamant about saying, Pentecost.
Pentecostals need a Pentecost. You need a renewing in the Holy Ghost. You need a breakthrough in the Spirit today. When church is over, altar call is given. People come for spiritual breakthrough because of shyness, self-consciousness, little pride, a lot of pride, a whole lot of pride. You need it and you want it, but you're going to let something else overpower you. You remind me of Mary of Bethany. She had inside of an alabaster box some precious perfume that she had kept for a long time. If you were to buy it, it would cost you one year's wages. It was very expensive. But at the feet of Jesus Christ, she broke the seal and she opened the box and she poured the perfume out on the feet of Jesus. And John 12 and 3 says, And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. In other words, what was in that box came out and filled the room. And I believe that there's a lot of precious ointment and anointing that God wants to fill the house, but it's on lockdown inside of you. But I'm challenging you today. I'm inviting you today to break the seal. Open your heart. Let it flow out of you. Pour it out on Jesus and let it fill the room. Praise God. David asked the Lord, what should I do about the Philistines? David said, go take them on. He went up and the Philistines had deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. But the Lord gave David a great victory there. Go up, he said. I'll deliver them into your hands. And the Bible said in 2 Samuel 5 and 20 that David went to Baal, Perezim, and David defeated them there. And he said, this is what the victory was like. The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Like a raging river screaming down a gully in the mountains that moves everything out of its way. David said, God has broken through on my enemies. He has utterly destroyed them and moved them out of my way. Can I appeal to you today? There's some stuff standing in your way. But if you'll get a breakthrough, God's going to let his power blast it out of your way. Move it out of your way. There is no mountain. There is no weapon. There is nothing that can stand in the way of the powerful flow of the Holy Ghost. Would you stand with me now? Would you lift your voice and praise to the Lord? Would you have a breakthrough moment in Jesus Christ?
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's the important thing, folks. Please do not ever be content to come and go in church and leave the same way you came. You've got to have a little gravel in your gut. You've got to have some determination in your spirit that says, by the grace of God, I will have a breakthrough. When I was a young man, preached my very first youth camp, just gone to work in the general youth division, Arkansas teen camp, junior high students. I had been a youth pastor for six and a half years. I worked with young people. I trained youth workers in Bible college how to work with young people. But now there I was in this youth camp, several hundred junior high students. And on the first night, I preached my very best, and it was terrible. And it was dead. The second night, I preached my best, and it was pretty much the same, terrible, and it was dead. Say, how do you know it was terrible? Well, I was talking to those junior hires, and they'll always tell you the truth. They're not out there saying, bless them, Lord, like sweet old saints in the church do. They're just sleeping or checked out. I was by myself at that camp, staying in a mobile home on the Arkansas district campgrounds. I laid in the floor and shag carpet for a long time every day, praying and seeking God. Because I knew that if that youth camp succeeded, it sure was not going to be because I was a great preacher. Because those kids were not into it and nothing was happening. Finally, on the last night of that camp, something happened that was far beyond my ability. Something that I had not done and could never do. There was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that pulled into the power of the Spirit those students. There were junior high students laid out all over the altar, slain in the Spirit, speaking in other tongues, lost, didn't care if it was time to walk out of the tabernacle. I am saying that just simply to tell you that there are times you know, you've got to know, I cannot do this. But God can. Sometimes it's an all-night prayer meeting. Sometimes it's wrestling through your flesh. But it will always involve a change of mind, repentance from sin, and an abandonment of your own will and way. It will always involve that burial of the past and of your old thinking and adopting the thinking and the identity of Jesus Christ. And then there will always be the catalyst of the Holy Ghost, that supernatural breakthrough that changes everything. But it starts with the seed that falls in the ground and dies. In the Arkansas Junior Camp, that was me that had to die to what I wanted to see happen in that camp and say, God, I desperately need you. Would you pray like that with me right now? I'm going to put the microphone down, but I'm calling everyone to raise their voices and their hearts and let's say, God, I'm at the end of myself. I need you, Jesus, desperately in my life. No more merry-go-round. No more cycles of defeat. No more same old, same old. No more business as usual, God. 